0: episode 220 above ground podcast with guest dr rachel Knotts. disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley.
1: Dr. Rachel. Yeah, um, she's a mother, counselor, educator, uh, relationship coach, speaker, amongst uh, many other things. And um, what I have have come to know her as is super kind. And I'm always intrigued by people that are just genuinely kind. So uh, I think that kind of attracted me to her. And just I've seen um, her posts, I, I've listened to her podcast on Dr. Morgan. And uh, yeah, I just thought that she would be a good fit. And you know, kind of help us with some knowledge, also help our listeners with some knowledge. So Dr. Rachel, thank you for being here.
2: Oh, thank you. And thank you for the warm welcome, Tim and Will. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today with both of you guys and a chance to speak a little bit more maybe to your listeners. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you.
1: Awesome. Awesome. If if you want to kind of just give us a quick background of who Dr. Rachel is and, and kind of where you came from, maybe a little bit
2: where you are now. Sure, okay, so I have over 20 years of counseling experience, uh, but mostly that is in higher ed. Uh, I do work at a local community college, and so a lot of the people that I work with on a day-to-day basis are um, typically young adults. Um, Some are the non-traditional students coming back to school, but because we are located where we are in our community college, we see a lot of different um, experiences and stories that come in with the students. so. There's, there's definitely the academic piece, but there's also the social-emotional counseling that goes on on a daily basis as well. Um, and then, so my background is in counseling, um, individual and family studies. But then about two years ago, I found uh, Dr. Morgan, as you mentioned, uh, Tim, and she has a wonderful coaching program that I, am, I just have the pleasure of being on staff for. So for about the last two years, I've really grown in my role as a relationship coach there And the work that we do there is grounded in attachment theory. So we're we're primarily working with women and primarily it is to help them gain their self-worth and their self-confidence, working through their different types of attachment styles to get to a secure place so that way they can build secure and healthy romantic relationships. And so actually to answer the question too, what brought me here, um, I, I had mentioned on another podcast before that I had gone through a divorce several years ago, and it was a really low point in my life. And uh, having young children at the time, you, you feel like you're stuck or you're in a dark place, lots of shame around that. And so I decided I needed to put my my stuff into myself, into something positive. So I did put myself back through school at that time to get my doctorate in education and leadership. And from there, um, I just I found Dr. Morgan also, and we just started working together, helping people and that has held me accountable, that has helped me grow and heal in so many ways. It's just been a beautiful blessing where they help me, I help them. So that's kind of what brought me to that.
0: This might be a Pandora's box and might not actually be able to be answered in one episode, but can you explain a little bit of the difference between men and women and? attachment and how that works and is it between is attachment theory between mother and son and father and daughter is it or is it more complicated than that is it really based on all relationships
2: yeah that's a great question will um so really the whole essence behind that theory is that people are born with a need to forge bonds with their earliest caregivers. So it could be with mom or dad. Um, it could be with whoever was your earliest caregiver. So um, really that is the overall essence behind it. And for those that form healthy bonds in those earliest years, like infancy through early toddler years, you'll tend to see they tend to have more healthier relationships as they move forward um, because they, those earliest bonds do impact and influence an individual throughout their entire life. So if somebody had some trauma around that, and by trauma, it could be anything from they had an emotionally avoidant parent or um, somebody who just did not show them or give them the space or the capacity to be validated, to feel um, accepted and reassured when they needed, or it could be they experienced some form of abuse, then um, we kind of say there's been trauma And you'll see that a lot of those folks will show up anxiously or avoidantly attached later on in life, but it is something that you can change and you can work through. So I always like to tell my clients, this is not a, you know, one shot deal here and you're done. You know, once you become aware and you want to make some changes, this, it starts, there's a lot of things that you can do, but you can definitely work through this and and modify that.
1: Awesome. I think that's, that is, to me is one of the most important things to add is that, it's not like you're not stuck. You can change right. and you can improve. Whether it's 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 small, incrementally, at a, at a short, you know, span of time. But I think, I, to me, that's one of the most important things people can hear is that you can, you know, change and improve.
2: Oh, it, it absolutely is because a lot of people I think are under the impression. Well, this is just how I am, and I've yes. heard with relationship work, I've heard women say. And it breaks my heart because I was there too. But I, heard, I hear them say, I just, I have a great career. I have wonderful friends and family, but a relationship, I guess I wasn't made for it, or it's just not for me. And I try to tell them, well, let's think about, let's go through the belief work here. Why do you think that? And let's kind of take it from there and work through that. Um, and what is it that you want? What are you really desiring? Why do you think this this way? And, and it is belief work a lot of the times where we have to get them to a place where they can start to understand for themselves their blueprint for how they ah. show up for themselves, the blueprint for how they show up for relationships, things like that.
1: Awesome. That's yeah. Do you notice uh, is there like I know what I is there four or five attachment styles? What is it?
2: I we I typically say there's four, there's four. There's the anxious okay. attached, mm-hmm, the avoidant. Yep. The third one you'll hear sometimes being called fearful or disorganized
1: disorganized yes
2: like when you have anxious and avoidant together and then there's the secure which is what actually statistics will show that's where most of us are 50 to about 65 66 percent of the population um here in the western world is securely attached so that's really (laughs) yeah that's what they say (laughs) really that was my question that was that was going to be
1: my question leading up to that yeah that's what is it what is the statistic
2: (laughs) i'm afraid anywhere between 50 to 60 65 percent the and statistic is talking. a lie. Will I know? Yes, like, it is, wonder. Timmy. Because
0: that sounds like that sounds like <laughs> complete bullshit, right there. <laughs> Holy cow!
2: And I know, and I'm like, well, there, there's hope there then, because no, you're
0: right, you're right. There's hope for hey, all of us, and there is. People- I, I'm glad to know that people feel that way. I mean, is it that? Could it be that we are still not actually? Is it? Could it be that we're actually avoiding? the real definition of what these things are because we don't want to face them. And that's why it's 50 to
2: 65%. Yeah, it's a it, great question. I, I don't know. I would like to think that a lot of us um, maybe in the last several years have realized that this is an area where we want to do some work on. So maybe we have a lot of healed individuals that are you know, now moving more towards security.
0: Well, I wonder, and maybe it is a generational thing too now, because maybe we're experiencing more younger people in that demographic of mm-hmm. experiencing more secure attachment. Because what I've heard from some school counselors that I know and, and psychologists is that these kids will talk at lunch about what their therapists are telling them in therapy, like they will sit around and and compare like, oh, my therapist said this, like they openly talk about it. So I wonder if the generational gap in is finally starting to catch up in statistics, because a lot of those younger generations are starting to be 21, where they're going to start getting counted in a lot of those statistics.
2: Yeah, that's a, a very great point. And I wonder that too, it, it's almost like a mindset shift where it's not as much as a, of a stigma anymore to you hear people saying that, that they're in therapy or they're in coaching. Um, and it's I love that it, the stigma is kind of becoming more more reduced over time with that because it's, it's just part of your, I tell people it's part of your overall care plan. You know, your mental health is so important as you guys both know in the work that you do. And so it could be that very well, that whole shift.
0: Yeah, everyone has mental health. We just don't yeah, all we, have mental illness, and
2: right, right.
0: Although I think a lot more people have mental illness than will admit. But I know why this is, and I see it because I work in it, and I understand why people don't want to be caught in some of this stuff because it is very right. hard to get out of. I was. I want to kind of turn it into your relationship work. Um, as you said, you went through a divorce. A number of years ago, Timmy did also. I just recently went through divorce myself. Um, and attachment styles have started to really, started to just kind of come up in my periphery. As, as Timmy has mentioned this a number of times, but I've had other stuff to work through without worrying about attachments that I already know are very disconnected as it is. And I'm just kind of wondering, how does our attachment play into our divorce style, because me as a guy, I kind of, I didn't not expect it. So I was already sort of preparing myself. So I had found conscious uncoupling, which uh, Catherine Woodward Thomas had written a number of years ago. And I had found that program to be very helpful for me because I kind of looked at it in a different way, in a positive way for both of us to kind of start things fresh and and become new people that we need to be. But how does that play into our divorce style, our attachment style early on? Because so, my parents' marriage was a complete disaster and their marriage completely blew up. So I had no good like real role models for this. And I've seen way too many people make bad decisions during these times. So how does that play together?
2: Okay. Yeah. So, so you're wondering, um, Will, how does our attachment style kind of lend itself towards when we go through an experience like a divorce. And I think that it really impacts it a lot. I'll hear in my in my role as a relationship coach with the women that I work with that they will say to me all the time, I didn't have any good role models. I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. And so um, whether it was directly or indirectly learned, um, they don't really have a basis of what what is that supposed to be like? They know that this didn't work out whether it was a divorce or a relationship ending and so we try to tell them well to what do you feel like for yourself once you get to really you get really good at knowing who you are and and what you deserve and what you want cuz they have to do a little bit of work on themselves first then i try to talk to them about well then what does a healthy relationship look like to you what what would you feel like in that what would you need um because there's no right or wrong right it's really what two individuals are looking for. Um, And then, you know, a lot of that also is talking about standards and boundaries. Uh, What standards do you have for relationships? You know, what are your values and what priorities do you have um, if you're looking to build and create a secure relationship but a healthy relationship? Uh, Because I do think that, again, when we understand attachment theory, those earliest bonds that were formed or not formed, they they will impact us and we will take them And that moving forward to early experiences that we have. so our first romantic relationships, maybe in our teenage years or our early adult years. So all those experiences coupled together are going to, of course lend themselves to the experiences that we have maybe in our marriage, what we believe, what we what we know, what we understand. Um, so does that answer your question?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it Thank does. Cause I, it was kind of a, and I, I think when I actually, after I spit it out, I was kind of like, Oh, where was I kind of going with that? I apologize. And I apologize <laughs> for the curveball Cause I, I had, I had a specific thought and I, I may have not conveyed it either as well, but yes, you did answer what I asked okay. you to answer. Cause I, I, I never realized how bad attachment styles are but I didn't realize is it have you found and I know Timmy's dying to ask you something so I just want to ask this real quick have you noticed because when you go through the attachment styles I notice I'm a little bit of all three of the bad ones mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering if you notice that a lot in your clients or if it's or if that's a male female thing like I'm curious to see they're it. not if bad well they're just different I,
2: I like that. That's right. They're not bad.
0: Oh well, I, I'm. Well, yes. I. But I'm just saying that they're okay. To me, they they're negative because they have been negative. You know, right.
2: Like, and, and you're trying. Ultimately, I think we're all <laughs> trying to get to that secure, attached place. But yes, we see. Um, I tell people all the time. It's not unusual to have. You might be predominantly and want say anxiously attached, but you're still going to have a little bit of, um, avoidant. Yeah. And a lot of people will tell me I'm disorganized, but I try to remind them that that one is really that's a tricky one but usually you'll see that um, in people that have a lot of heavy trauma that they haven't worked through
0: the disorganization for me comes from the depression and it comes from the anxiety that and the the hyper vigilance that I've experienced much of my life even at 51 years old like I still haven't quite gotten the nervous system where it needs to be for certain things yeah because I'm and I'm working through like we're all working in yeah. stuff, you know what I mean? So right. Timmy and I are work in progress. We get to do this every week. It's yeah. like I'm working every day on this, so yes. every day is something different. So one day might be heavier than the next, and Timmy and I get to experience a lot of different stuff because we get to talk to people like you, and then we have conversations with like real people who are just citizens in the out in the in the world who are experiencing like serious things that are just putting them on your lap for you to hold for them for a little bit and that gets heavy too after a while so you just you experience a lot of this stuff but when you're working through trauma still and right how, when there's trauma in is it the early is it those real early stages of infancy through 5 4 or 5 that really set the foundation and if that's already broken like Like, is that really sending you on a trajectory of what you've experienced when you look through maybe your history and you're able to step back?
2: It it is. I mean, when you talk about attachment theory, it it definitely is. It's that earliest. Like, I try to say, think of the baby that, you know, when they're really young, they just want, they don't know it yet, but like, they need those basic needs met. So if they're crying and they're comforted, that they're clothed, that they're fed. So from that early point on... um, Fast forward a little bit, now they're a little bit older, um, you know, they're crying, maybe they're early toddler stage, they're crying, or even a little older, they, they're they upset over something, and if somebody, a caregiver is supposed to be there, you know, as that safe place where they can come to for assurance or reassurance, um, where they can say, you know, I'm hurting, I fell down, or I had a friendship ended, you know, later on, I'm hurting, and there's somebody there that says, you shouldn't feel that way, or that's silly, Or somebody who emotionally just doesn't have the capacity to even share in in any of that with them. So so they're learning directly and indirectly at that very early age that, okay, I need, um, I'm not accepted for who I am. I need to get attention maybe so that way I can get my needs met. Um, And I'll see a lot, I I do see a lot of the women that have had some negative um, attachments with their fathers. I will see this later on where they're showing up, um, they're usually going after men that are emotionally unavailable partners because they're they're constantly looking for that validation. They're trying to seek um, attention. And then when they don't get it, it's like they're, they're continuously striving for it. It always amazes me, but they haven't healed that. They haven't worked through that. And so for them, that's what they're used to. They're familiar. That's what they've always been used to, that they're going to strive to get this attention from dad. Now it's from a potential partner. Um, and so to go back to the original question there, Will, like, I don't think it's necessarily different for men and women. I really think a lot of it is our experiences that we've had. And I do think a lot of us go through more than one. I mean, I can speak for myself. I would say I had been predominantly anxiously attached and then working with Dr. Morgan a little bit more closely, I started to realize, man, I had a lot of avoidancy too, I don't know if it was as much, but then I would think I had, I had past partners tell me that. And I used to say, I'm not avoidant, but as I learned more about it, I realized, yeah, I I would show up both, but I could tell I was more anxious at one point, but you know, I did have both tendencies there. And like you said, and having the background I do also, it is something I have to work on every day. We are definitely not healed and then miraculously (laughs) now we're secure forever. (laughs) It's something that we have to do. It's part of our self-care routine every single day, our mental health and, and working on our self-worth. Exactly.
1: I think personally, that's where it all stems from. I think if if you work on yourself and get a good foundation of self-worth, self-love, I, I, mean, I, I mean, obviously there's going to be hills to climb and steps, but they're not going to be as um, intrusive. They're not going to be as big and heavy. That's just my opinion. but
2: I agree too with that because a lot of the tools that you learn as you're working through this stuff is when I get to something or I'm triggered by a behavior or a thought, I know how to course correct or I know what to go to for practicing self-care to self-soothe. That's a big one that we try to teach our our clients is that, okay, when you're starting to feel anxious and hypervigilant, maybe let's take a step back. Let's figure out how we're going to regulate ourselves here. Um, because at the moment you're dysregulated, you're having all these thoughts, they're spiraling out of control. So let's figure out the tools that we have. How can we bring ourselves back to that place? So the, the hope is that it becomes a little easier to do and we can get back there a little bit sooner than, than right. we had in the past.
1: Even, even gain some mindfulness. And as it kind of onsets, you might feel it or notice it. And then you know what I mean get a little bit of a jump start on it, you know, so to speak. So it doesn't cause as you know, you kind of just said it as you become engulfed in these feelings and, and once you're at that point, it's very hard to even go, Yeah, I do have tools. You know what I mean? Cause you would think you had these tools and then you, you jump in the water and you're like, I have no tools. Like I'm already done, I'm done.
2: <laughs> I know. And when you're in that emotionally like Highly dysregulated state, it is hard to just kind of take a step back and say, Right, where I have this toolbox here, like, let me see what I can use in this moment. So, it's the mindfulness is so important too. And what we try to teach our clients too is we we have um, affirmations, um, a morning alignment routine where I tell them, Make space during your day. Maybe your sacred time is in the morning before everybody's up and you're out for work. Maybe it's sometime midway through your day, but take time to either meditate take a few minutes to yourself, maybe check in and say how am I feeling? How's the day going? Um, what what am I feeling? Because a lot of people don't even know how to feel and I hear that. I don't know how to feel. I just know I'm upset but I don't I don't know why. I don't know where this stemmed from. Uh, so it's it's really checking in and doing that full body check like how did your body feel? What are you feeling emotionally? What's going through your head at the moment? And then a lot of times when you can, breath work is great for that, then a lot of times you can get to a place where you can start to think a little bit more rationally to be able to pull out those tools that you have to help yourself.
1: That's awesome. You kind of touched a little bit on this um, a little while ago when you were talking, but um, do you, I don't know if you had noticed or even thought about this. Um, You had mentioned you might have been like an anxious style before. Do you, did you notice any like a uh, change or shift after the divorce? Do you think maybe the divorce added some stuff onto that? Is that even possible
2: or? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I had my, because my parents are still, God bless them here. And they're married 46 years tomorrow. Wow. And they would say to me, you know, we had a great childhood and they said to me, um, my mom had said to me at one point, not long ago, I don't understand why you're like this. This was before I felt like I was working on myself. And she said, didn't dad and I give you what you needed emotionally, like what happened? But as I started to understand this process a little bit more, I realized a lot of it for me was going through that divorce because I was married very young, like early twenties, married for a while, had kids. And I think the process of that unraveling and working through that, and there was a lot of shame for me around that too. Uh, just growing up in the culture that I did and being like the first person divorced. Um, I think a lot of that added to my anxious attached style. And for me, it was, I didn't trust anybody for a long time. I was hypervigilant. Uh, fear of abandonment was huge there. So you say, you agree? And so I have a lot of women that will say, because we have not do a relationship inventory of all these impactful relationships that they've had. It could be romantic friendships, siblings, caregivers. And someone will say my childhood was fine, but when we dig a little deeper, it's like something came along, you know, to kind of throw us off course. And it's okay, but now we're aware, and self awareness is the first step, and it's huge. Yeah, and then we can you know figure out how we're going to get back on track from there.
0: Well, speaking of getting back on track, first I just want to be cognizant of your time. How are you doing as far as time goes? Are you good? For I'm another... good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um. Question. Because you're a coach and we are all about tools and we have talked a lot about self-love and self-care. Is there a first step for us that are just starting to pull the rocks apart and starting to see some light? Is there the first thing that you would start to say what you should do if you need to find more self-love for yourself? Like if you're starting to rebuild after after say a divorce or grief. Cause grief is, I mean, that's grief. It's just different types of grief. So right. um, can you just maybe give us like the first step or maybe the first, like just lead us out of that first hole just to give us just to give us a little bit of light.
2: Yes. I love to start with belief work. It, so I would say, what is it that you have been telling yourself? It's hard to do this because there's, there's a lot of pain around this and suffering, but you have to get to the root of, do you, do you even know what you believe? Because if, if you're telling, if the story that you're telling yourself constantly is negative, negative, then you want to be aware of that because now we got to find out how we're going to pull ourselves out of that hole. So what is it that you are believing about yourself at at, at this time? and um, And what do you see for yourself, future and forward thinking? Um, And maybe you move from that to expand a little bit to, okay, so what is it that you believe about relationships? And at that moment, it might not be very, very pleasant, but let's, these are limiting beliefs that we are holding onto. So let's think about what are they? And then what can we now look towards as far as like empowering or shifting those? Even if you don't believe it yet, do you have an idea of what you would like to believe for yourself moving forward for a relationship down the road? Um, I, I think before we get to the relationship piece, though, it is like, all right, what are these limiting toxic beliefs I'm holding right now about me? Where do I want to be if I can get myself to a place where I'm, I'm healthier? Um, and then and the part of that, too, is, you know, a lot of times there might be maybe that's journaling. Maybe it's meditating and reflecting on that. Um, but what's really powerful and helpful for myself and a lot of the ladies I work with is if we can pull in some affirmations also to help with that. Because there's, there's all, you know, you can deliberately create affirmations too, but you, you could do them around anything, whether it's body positivity, whether it's, okay, how do I see myself in, in healing through this process in relationship work? I mean, but if you can get those into a visual spot where they can start to see them as they're working on that belief work, I think that's really helpful because we're reminding ourselves because see the brain, it can, it is capable of rewiring thought processes because. What happens is all the connections and the different um, pathways, neural pathways, they do change every so many months, and so you can work on that. But it's intentional work that has to be done, or you just have to shift that mindset. And it does, and I don't like to tell people, "Oh, it takes 14 days or 21 days." It's like I say, consistency. You will get to a point, and I am, I am a believer of this because it happened for me. I was like, this is such crap. I don't believe this is going to work. I want to believe this, but I don't believe it. But I stuck with it. And one day I turned around. I'm like, I I really believe this about myself, about relationships. I was just going to ask
1: you. I was just going to ask you that. I don't want to interrupt. But when you talk about the affirmations, because for me, I've I still try. I but it's it sometimes I, you know, I don't believe it. Me Um, me neither. Me neither. So I guess my question would be is. Do you find it often that even let's say with you, like when you started, you know, is it, is it hokey? Is it kind of like, I'm like, I'm saying these things, but nothing's changing. Like, so is it, is it, is that a good point to start? Even if you don't believe it, continue to, to, to do it.
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. I have so many women that will tell me that they'll say, I just feel like so cheesy or they'll say, I just don't, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. And I was there. And I tell them consistency is the key. And maybe you want to write it in a way where it's as if it happened. Like I, um, you might say, I am enough. Even if you don't believe it, I tell them, say, I am enough. Speak it as if it's happening over your life right now. Because if, and if you do it consistently, I mean, not like once a week, I tell them, make this part of your sacred morning. Maybe you're the type of person that on your drive-in, you have to, you've recorded it and you hear it, you play it back, you know, put it on your mirror tape it somewhere where you can see it. But once you start saying it, you are going to, it's going to be a mindset shift eventually where you're going to start to believe that, but it it does take intentionality. It does take you deliberately making space for that, deliberately creating that. And is what I tell them. It's kind of like manifestation where it's like, if this is what you want, you're going to put that energy out there. You're going to deliberately bring the intention and action together. And eventually it's going to come back to you where you're going to start to believe these empowering beliefs is what I say so yes that's, um to me it's it's definitely consistency is the key here
1: that's awesome thank you for mm-hmm. answering that sure. it always seems to be it always seems to get in the way for me it's like uh you know like I'll start and then I'll get those it's 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 the going back to the belief it's the thoughts and the judgments that I place onto them I'm saying them And then in my head, I'm going, okay, here come the judgments and whatever I put on top of it. And then and then I just throw the ladder down and say, okay, I'm I'm done.
2: And that's a lot of people have that same experience. And I think if we can get to a place where we talk to ourselves like we would remind yourself, I'm going to speak to myself like I would to a friend because we are our own worst critics. So if we can get into that mindset, I'm going to speak to myself loving. I'm going to show myself grace when I need to, um, you know, forgive myself where I need to, because I would do that for my best friend. Right. So why can't I show that to myself? And it's very uncomfortable for a lot of us at first, but if we can kind of remind ourselves of that um, and, and you know, some of the stuff I do too, with the women I work with, a lot of it is body positivity. They have um like body image issues. And so we really, we create different affirmations statements um principles because they might be longer than an affirmation about okay let's get some body positivity going here and they tell me they feel a little weird saying it but through time i think they start to believe this stuff and it really helps them heal those former judgments that people had on them a lot of times they're just taking on what others have projected onto them mm-hmm
0: working on the boss bo- uh, i'm working on the body positivity right now
2: so so men go through that too huh?
0: oh, oh, ab- abso- oh absolutely absolutely right are of you thing. kidding just, me of course we, we go <laughs> we just <laughs> we i i understand there's more placed on women's bodies because of culture and stuff which is obviously true but yes we go through things absolutely because there's things that we totally you know, don't talk about, because maybe you as women do talk about it amongst yourselves, because I know you guys can get way worse than we do sometimes because you're way more vulnerable around each other. A lot of you, not everyone, but a lot of you, not us, we ain't (laughs) going to be talking about, you know, what we're talking to our doctors about because we, because again, (laughs) like this this affects us. And again, like the good thing about conversations like this is that we realize that everything affects us and it affects us throughout our entire lives because I'm 51 years old. So I'm going through different things with body positivity and body image right now. And as a divorced man, I'm going through a lot more of those things. So how does that play into the situation when it comes to body positivity with some of your clients, as far as females go, that have just gone through divorce? Like how does that start to affect their rebuild?
2: Oh my gosh, that's huge for a lot of them. So a lot of the women that I work with are all ages. Okay. Anywhere from, I typically see like early twenties, all the way up through later on, um, you know, middle adult age, all kinds of experiences. Majority of them are high functioning women professionally, even just talking to them. I can tell they're, they're pretty bright. Um, They've had a lot of great experiences, but they're, they're struggling with romantic relationships it's going back to the attachment stuff that we talked about but there are some that as they go through divorce um and and any age i've realized too any age they all think that they're on this time crunch now um especially the middle-aged ones where i need to figure this out because if i don't meet mr right soon my time's coming you know there's a timeline they're all the good ones are gone i hear or um they say if i don't find somebody soon i don't want to be. Single forever on my own forever. Some of the younger ones will say, "Um, "I thought by now I'd be married with children, and I just ended my long-term relationship." And so it's trying to tell them that we can't control those outcomes. Like we can set a deliberate intention for what we're looking towards working on, and if that's what we want, that's great. But we we have to relinquish a little bit of that control over how it's going to happen and exactly when. But that's it's difficult for them to see that and. Then I go into trying to keep that abundance mindset. And for some of them, they love that, but some of them are like, no, I don't, there's no abundance out there of of potential partners. And I try and tell them the universe has energy constantly. So there's not just one person for you. And I tell them that you've gone through this experience and believe me, I know I've been through it too. And I say, but if you keep that abundance mindset, it's going to really it's going to determine the energy you're putting out there, the intentions that you have for yourself, which hopefully is going to come back to you in the ways that you're looking for.
0: Well, you said something that I don't think most of us think about. You said deliberate intention. And that is that is not something that a lot of us, at least unless you're really you know, in tune with your relationship, are going to experience in like a long-term relationship because I think at some point we just get stuck in the dailies and, and those dailies though, we have to be, that has to be part of our lives because that's what those things are. I think that those crush us because we forget how to dream and we forget, we forget the kid in ourselves. I had, I was having a conversation recently about young and about how, going back to some of the things that we do as kids are all about us trying to get back in touch with our, with our, our young self and trying to heal those parts of ourselves. And I've been experiencing a lot of that. I'm going to tell you, I'm a closet WWE fanatic now again. So I've been like, well, I just, like I'm watching SummerSlam and and (laughs) stuff. Like, so like, I I'm like, there's just different, like, I, I got a skateboard this year. Like just I'm doing stupid shit, just dumb shit that, you know, I did as a kid. Not but
1: stupid. Well, it's fun. No, I'm it's not, not stupid. You're right. Yourself. It is fun. <laughs> I was actually right.
0: I actually had the pads on and was skating around the driveway the other day. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's fun, but I didn't realize that I was, and, and I've been trying and I've been on this healing journey for, for now a few, for actively for about five years, like where I'm really doing this work all the time. So oh,
2: it's great. awesome
0: to talk to people like you and things. And I, I don't want to keep you all day, Timmy. This has been such an awesome conversation. Um, I, have que- I, have que- I have a question. I have some I have a question. I can't. Perfect. I have to. I have. To.
1: <laughs> I have so many questions, but I will, I'll try to contain them. Um, just because you know we're 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 talking about relationships, you 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 do that with your some of your work, um, and there's a lot of I don't know stereotypes and stuff like that out there. Do you feel Cause there's, there's that, you know, love is all you need. And I, I, I don't buy into that, but I just kind of want your take on, you know, kind of like if you, what you see a lot in your work, but also what's needed. I mean, I know it's going to vary for, for people, but like what's needed for a, a good relationship.
2: Oh yeah. That's a great question. I'm going to do a little name drop here. That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So Jay Shetty is a fabulous author, you know, speaker. Um, And he had recently put a book out, something about the eight ways to connect with love or something about that. If if you Google it, I I have it. I just don't have it with me at the moment. Um, The Eight Laws of Love, I think it is. But it is so good to read, um, Tim, because it talks about, I think when we hear the word love, everybody right away thinks romantic love, but it talks about loving of yourself, how to then love, Others, not even romantically, but family, friends, others, um, just people you come into contact with.
0: Yeah, the eight rules of
2: love. That's it, thank you. Great book to read. I'm I'm reading it actually for the second time. And so, and and Tim, that's a good question because I think that that's something too that would be individual for everybody to answer. Um, For me, I think that it means first and foremost, loving yourself because when you can love yourself, I know that, okay, I'm not perfect. I know the areas that I need to work on, um, but I also know the areas of of myself that, that are so great that I can give and would love to be able to receive in a relationship. So once you know, like about yourself um, and that what you're looking for, I think there are going to be some key steps of, do you, do you want something like, what are your values? Do you want something that's going to be reciprocated for you? So if you're putting out certain things, are you looking to have that reciprocated? Uh, What are two, three core values or standards that you know you definitely need to be for you to be successful in a securely attached and healthy relationship? So if somebody can't answer those and they say, I don't know, then I I want them to take time to really sit with that and start to figure out, "Okay, who are you and what is it that you would like? You know, and and I think that that changes like in the beginning, you know, we were in our 20s, maybe thirties, a lot of the women will say they wanted the bad boy image. And they tell me what that is. And then it's like, okay, now fast forward. So I'm in my forties. It's like, well, that's changed my priorities a little bit there. And I would think that you have to know that though, you know, and, um, somebody had recently said to me, well, what's your type? And I laughed and I said, well, it depends on how, you know, what you mean by that. Like, I don't describe my type anymore as the physical features of what somebody would look like. It's like, this is what I would like this person to have and to be, because this is what I'm looking for in cultivating a healthy relationship. So, Spill
1: it, spill it. What are some of the things, yeah. So, Dr. somebody Dr. That Rachel, on. <laughs>
2: okay, yeah, so for your listeners here, somebody that's gonna reciprocate um, being able to share vulnerability, um, being able to have emotional capacity. It's like, it's cool, it's sexy to, to be able to be vulnerable with somebody, you know, not closed off and they're too cool, like to, they can't share with you somebody that's direct and honest with their communication um, and and a generally good person, you know, and that that's very big, but, you know, just somebody that's that's good and they want to put out there and do good in the universe. And so um, it becomes less, I think, as you start to know this, it becomes less of that. um, Those um, you know, those, what's the word I'm looking for, where it's just um, like the shallower, just kind of, because I hear people saying, well, I say like
1: superficial
2: superficial that's the word thank you okay. becomes less of that becomes more of knowing who you are and what it is that you you're looking for I think so that is the long answer for you there Tim
1: <laughs> no I like it I it just leads to more stuff I do have I do well I just want to ask her this because it kind of went off of this and it's something that um I know certain some people probably deal with maybe I don't know but um what, like, let's say you do these affirmations and you, um, cause I, per, I personally have done the values and all that stuff. I actually like wrote it on a piece of paper and like wrote yeah. down these things that I'm looking for and that I would like. Um, but what if you do all this and you do and, and you come up with these affirmations and you say, I am loved and I am strong and all these things. And then, you know, it's almost like embarrassing to admit, but like what if you go out into the world and you there is no reciprocation, there is no um validation that you're you're strong and, and you're this and you're that. When you come across these things and and maybe other people are different, but like if you come across two or three, four or five, and then you're by the seventh one, you're like, you know what? Like maybe maybe I'm not. Maybe you start questioning yourself. Maybe I'm not these things. And maybe I'm asking too much or maybe setting boundaries is is keeping me from something, but I don't know, you know, does that that, make sense?
2: It does. It's really good because when uh, I do a lot of work around boundaries too, and I try to tell them like, start off with the whole list and there's going to be a lot you say. And then I say, okay, wow, that's a lot. We want to narrow it down. What are going to be things that, you know, you can be flexible on, you know, like, this is like not a hard boundary. You'd like to see this, have this in a partner, but if not, okay, I can live with it but there should be maybe two, three, maybe a little bit more, depending on who you are. These are hardcore values standards that you're not willing to move on. And when I've gotten into that, it has helped me a lot. It's like, okay, there's a couple that are like really hardcore values or boundaries for me. And if I realize a few dates in that that's something I can't live with or live without, then I'm saying I I need to move on. Other things though, Tim, it's like, okay, I can be flexible. Maybe It might be annoying or, you know, might be not ideal at first, but this isn't going to be a deal breaker. So I think, again, is getting really good at what are those few hard boundaries that you just aren't going to move on when it comes to boundaries. And then when it comes to the affirmation stuff that you're saying, I think you just have to get to a place where you truly believe it. You don't need the validation from others. Um, One of the things that I have really started to believe is I don't need outside approval. I approve of me. I do have a strong faith. And so it's like, I approve of me. I know my creator approves of me. So if I'm not hurting anyone, I don't care. If you don't approve of me, that's, that's your opinion and your choice. I used to worry so much about that. And now I don't worry anymore. It's so great, but I had to get to that place. Yeah. So if you're out there telling yourself this stuff and you're believing it, and then you're like, I don't know if anybody else is, it's just stay firm. and I don't need anybody else's approval because this is me. This is who I know I am
0: it's not easy. (laughs) It sounds like you have to have an awful lot of wisdom and self and self-knowledge and willingness to ask yourself those questions. So that I, I'm wondering from you as we start to wrap this up, does this, do you notice, does this maturity catch up to us all? Or do you notice that some of us are still fighting for this maturity later on?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I like that. I think it does take wisdom. I think it can catch up to a lot of us, but I think that we have to deliberately, I I like that word, deliberately want to do this kind of work. Because at 43, I tell my girlfriends all the time, I feel, thank God, better than I ever have in my life. And even though, you know, we're all fighting the aging, the the changes, and it's like, you know, I, I know who I am now. I didn't, even three years ago, It's like, I know who I am now. I'm growing every day. I'm a work in progress, but I love the work that I'm doing, but I'm intentionally and deliberately putting in the effort and the time. And if I don't, like when I was on vacation here, I I wasn't doing my stuff. I totally give it a few days and it catches up to me. It's like, I need to get back to my stuff. So vacation was fun, but now I gotta get back to reality.
0: (laughs) I take it that you're probably creature of habit, like most of us that oh, yeah. build routines and that have to have these routines just to keep going for what we do, right?
2: Absolutely.
1: I noticed that myself too, Will and I both talked about this, um, you know, creating healthy habits and, and routines. But when you have like, I personally like Sunday morning, I'll, uh, I won't go to work. So I won't be in that sort of routine. And sometimes I may forget to do you know, some, some affirmations or some, some breath work, you know, but I pick it up, you know, back again when I'm, when I'm at work in that mode. So.
2: Oh, that's That's pretty good. That's really good. And you know, even if we miss a day here and there, the the idea is consistency. as Often as we can. And I
1: think, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying with your, even with your clients is I don't even know if the word was brought up, but Mm -hmm. self-compassion for me is, is huge. It's like, like you said, like, I'm worthy. Like, I know that I, I, I'm I a work in progress. I have made mistakes, but that doesn't take away from
2: who I am. That's exactly right. And self-forgiveness for things. Oh. That's, I mean, that's huge, especially, and we all have healed or are healing through divorce, right? That is huge. It's like, okay, so we were two people here, whatever happened, happened, but I'm not going to um, carry this around anymore. That shame. And when I could get to that place, it was so freeing. Where it's like, okay, I can forgive myself for my part. Um, I'm gonna forgive the other person too, because that frees me. And um, I don't who wants to walk around like that always. You're right. You know? I mean, there's a time when you're going to, right? And we're healing and there's pain, but then we have to figure out how we're gonna channel that. And um, it's so good when you're self-aware and you say, Right, I am a work in progress, I'm great, but I'm not perfect. And I will say that to people all the time, especially to my my daughter who's um, a, a young teenager now, I tell her, you know, yeah, I, I try to strive to be the best I can be, but I'm not perfect. And I don't think that I am. And I wouldn't want you to think that I am. And so, but, but we can still love ourselves and know our worth, but know that we're still a work in progress. And I, I just think that that's healthy because I don't but, think that we're ever, um, I don't like even to use the word broken. Cause I feel that we all go through different challenges and struggles throughout our life, our lives, and we will continue to do so. So I I don't like to say you're broken, and then you're healed. It's, you know, you're working on things and when you need to, you're going to work through those and then something else might come up, but then we're going to work through those challenges too.
1: And there's always going to be challenges, right? I mean, we're always going to be working on and overcoming. I think with each challenge, we may gain some resilience and some strength and, and, you know, some, some uh, acceptance and say, Hey, you know what? I, I did it a month ago. I was over that challenge. Now I have another challenge and just kind of accept it as they come.
2: That's right. And we have the resilience. So hopefully we can do that. Exactly.
1: Awesome.
0: Dr. Rachel, it's been awesome talking to you.
1: Super um, awesome. Yeah. I, Thank
0: you, I will cut this. I will cut this part out because nobody needs to hear this part, but okay. would you consider coming back on again at some point?
2: Oh my gosh. I would love to. Okay. Absolutely
0: Awesome. Because, because do, like, there's so yeah. much, I know, I know well. there's, so, there's so much stuff. <laughs> and the thing is, is that like, like I have realized that like for all of us, like especially relationships are so important and that, and and, and it's all relationships. It's not just romantic. Everything is yes. everything. Everything is a relationship. Everything is connection because that's what this is all about. So I just wanted to open that up to you and just ask you that as we're closing up.
2: Uh, oh, we'd well, love up. that. And thank you so much. I would love that. I do a lot of talk um, with the women on emotion regulation. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. on no a sort of communication. So anything- um, All that, self-forgiveness. And I, yeah, we,
0: and I would love and- to have this conversation as men and women.
2: I like love that. Say, yeah. like, just
0: because the I think that the interplay of the communication is important. I see a lot of- I see a lot of people like I see a lot of men coming out all of a sudden as like I don't I have no idea where these people are coming from online, all these relationship coaches talking about marriage. Well, it's
2: like this. a big thing right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I don't so
0: I don't I'm not sure, but obviously relationships are very important and it it doesn't matter whether it's you know your connection to your spouse or or to you know like Timmy's and my relationship, just anybody's yes. relationship is very important. So it, it's good to have that conversation. And I would like to have those conversations with females like yourself as men to yes, try to please. learn more about yes, fixing, our, fixing what we need to fix as we move on. Because I think we need to grow together, right? I mean, that's how it's, you know, yeah, we, need yeah, to- absolutely. Yeah. Like, we need to stop saying that there's not good people out there. We just, yes. it's just that there is good people out there. It's just that nobody has, nobody has come to the wisdom that they,
2: see i like that to too,
0: so, so far you know? yeah i like
2: to think like that too so i, I would love to anytime guys just let me know awesome. i appreciate it i, I love this well that's the awesome, privilege awesome. Of being yeah. able to be on this with you guys so thank you
0: yeah no i was thinking about it because i was like oh yeah this is like because it, it's come up a lot in my just like in just in just in my daily life because the attachment theory stuff i did not realize was going to play as such a <laughs> such a role Like I had <laughs> I no close. idea because I never even thought about attachment theory well
2: and them. you know what because even in my schooling they don't go into a lot of it with you I mean now really? Morgan did, she did her research on it which is where she developed her amazing program based on it but they don't teach you a lot about it I mean you hear about there was like the strange situation there was a study done but based on all that but you don't they don't give you a lot um in just like a you know, in your, in your undergrad, even my master's, I didn't get a lot of that. So Weird. It's fa- I know it's fascinating to see. There's, there's a lot more about that now out there. So oh, you know, really? Yeah, it and, really got
0: and- me thinking about the attachment stuff was the ACEs stuff. Like I did my ACEs. Do you know about the ACEs, the adverse childhood experience survey that oh, Kaiser, no. per- Kaiser Permanente back in like, I don't know if it was like the late nineties or beginning of the two thousands had put out, had, come to this survey called the ACEs, which is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey.
2: Oh, yes, it sounds they like had
0: it as a criteria of like 10 originally. And I think it's expanded now a little bit to cover okay. more stuff. But it was all about the trauma as a child, you know, whether you had a parent that was incarcerated, a mentally ill parent, an abusive parent, an alcoholic parent, all these different things. So the more things. you check, so make you more the susceptible. The more boxes you checked and the higher your score was made you more susceptible to trauma induced, you know, issues such a, you know, such as a lot of the depression and stuff that we see in people and things. So, but that really opened my eyes to why things turned out the way they had turned out and things. But then as I've gotten older and, and I'm experiencing these things with my own child and going through repeating all the cycles that I needed to heal, I knew I needed to do things differently.
2: Yes, then my parents painful.
0: did it and stuff. Yeah, it's it, but it's it's tough. It's it's difficult. It's hard sometimes.
2: It is. It's it very really is painful.
0: And and but it's 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 part of it. Like that's. I the, think. Mm-hmm. I think the attachment um, style stuff is,
1: it to me it's very similar to, to like a mental health challenge where certain people are going to be more susceptible to it. Right. So maybe if let's say myself had had some uh, avoidant and anxious attachment styles and then as i progress through life and the relationships i've had the situations i've been in the divorce you know those are going to make me you know obviously kind of bring that out i think i and in my opinion
2: i think so cuz it starts with your earliest attachments but it's not just that we tell them too right. it's it is early experiences with other relationships and situations that you've been in
1: right But they're going to make those early, early relations and attachments are going to are the things that are going to make you more susceptible. You know what I mean? So you could have. Right. right.
0: Everything affects everything. Everything
1: That's
2: exactly right. You're absolutely right. I agree. Awesome. But the positive of all this is to know, I'm sorry. um, No, go right
0: ahead. Oh, absolutely. No, don't finish your thought. (laughs)
2: the positive part of all this though is to know that you know we're not stuck there and if we just like with anything else when we're working on ourselves if this is something that we want to work on then there are tools out there and we can do it 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 might take a while it might be a little painful but it can be done so that's the beauty of it
1: thank you Uh, dr rachel and thank you for the work that you do and the stuff that you put out we we will put um you can send us the links we will put the links within the show notes um and people can contact you women can contact you for your your, um, your classes and, and counseling and coaching, whatever you want to call it. And, okay. uh, you know, so just, you know, in general, thanks for, for doing your work and making the world a better place.
2: Oh, and thank you both for the work that you do. I love the podcast. I love listening each week and you guys are doing mm-hmm. great stuff and I appreciate you having me on here. I really oh, do. Thank
0: you. Thank you for being on here. I know I'm sure there's probably some stuff that's kind of harsh, but you know, that we are who we are. We are who we are. And we are who uh, we are. That's
1: right. We We don't really
0: make apologies about that. So that's right. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your Sunday and things and and for what you do and putting your light out into the world. Because this is all about connection, man. And that's, we love making these connections. Thank you. Oh,
2: absolutely. Thank you guys too.
0: After we ask these three questions and
1: wrap it up, can you just hang out for one minute? Yes. Okay, cool. So the first question is, do you have a favorite? or a least favorite word
2: oh, um i think i would say my favorite word is hope that i would say that yeah because i i love the, having the hope because there's always hope that we can change for the better and there's always hope that things can get better
0: awesome will 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 is the spreader of hope
2: oh that's awesome
0: yeah, i'm the um i'm the curator of hope <laughs> I like to consider us the curators of hope. That's what I consider us. You have a least favorite. The
2: least favorite word. Um, I think it's like a phrase, like I can't or it won't. It, it can't happen. I don't like to hear that because we can make changes if we want to. It's going to be hard, but we can do it. Awesome. Love it.
0: Yeah. All right, so I have a very 2023 question and I would okay. I'm I'm I can't believe I'm even going to ask this, but I figured you're a relationship coach so I'm going to ask this. <laughs> so in 2023 as divorce people, do you have to date online to meet people or can you meet people still the old traditional way?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I think both. And I think it depends really on your preference and maybe where you live. So I have people saying that from big cities they're saying they can't meet anybody organically and i was shocked by that but that's what i hear so they do the dating apps um i have some that will tell me they absolutely refuse the dating apps and so they're trying to meet through friends or or meet somebody organically so really i think it's a personal preference
0: so actually i this kind of spurs another question and i don't know if there's a quick answer for this have you noticed that with the dawn of online dating and the internet and and all these <clears throat> The ability to hide has this created this new shyness or this new inability to actually communicate with people directly. And yes, is it, is it intimidating to people when someone older knows how to communicate and knows how to like eye contact? Like, is this like is this a thing now? Have you found when you work with different different people?
2: Oh my gosh, yes! I tell them all the time, lean into it. That's what that's like. My phrase I use is lean in. Because it goes back to the attachment, I got to just say, if they are avoidant, a lot of them are, I had a girl the other day reach out and say she met this guy, she lists all these wonderful things, I don't know where she met him or how, but then she said things like, he's, he's showing up secure, he's asking me questions, he's sharing, you know, he's making plans for us to go on dates, but, and she came up with something that was really funny to me, and I said, are you looking for ways to sabotage this, because you're, because she's anxious. I said, you're not, you're not, it's not familiar to you. It feels very strange, but you need to lean into this. And I think the online dating is a great example that I think a lot of people can hide behind personas on there. You don't really know who you're talking to. And I, and I hear that a lot from the the clients that I work with. Um, You know, people can tell you what they think that you want to hear, but how do you really know? And I guess it's like anything, you just have to get to know someone, but it does make it hard. You have
0: to lean into it. (laughs) <laughs> you
2: have to lean into it, but we—I like to say—that's like, it, man. I lean like into it. The that's dating, the. There we go. Yeah, the online dating though, I tell them use it as a tool. Like it's a tool to meet somebody. That's all. And right, a tool it's just to, a tool. And, yeah.
1: and a tool to to possibly kind of better yourself because you can figure out more of what you want, and what you don't want, and and possibly even communication. You know, because if we, if we, if you can tell your clients to quit ghosting us men, then we can. You know, possibly have a better communication. You hear, that? <laughs> you hear that? Sorry, Will. Oh. I just slipped out, buddy. I'm sorry.
0: Oh bother, <laughs> Jesus! Wow. Well, that just got you ghosted again.
1: I think the women get ghosted too, though. <laughs>
0: I'm just busted as I know.
1: I know. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Oh, we like to goodness. keep it lighthearted here. So this, this is great. So the last question is: If there was something that you would like to see. For mental health, something that you could do without any kind of restraint for mental health as a whole, what would it be?
2: I know, and this is a, a really far um, ask and reach, but something reach with away. Social, okay, something with social media. I, I feel a lot of women, a lot of women struggle with the comparison trap, and a lot yeah. of it is stemming from social media, and so. You know I again I tell them watch the inputs that you're that you're allowing in and if you need to remove yourself from it or certain content then then you do and I don't know if men experience the same but I know social media has been an absolutely huge issue for for women mm-hmm. I
0: has social media is social media worse have you found because you've done obviously you've done master's work and everything so and you sp- and and with all your coaching work have you found that? in in this day and age that the social media um facade of what women look like or are expected is far worse than what say the Playboy cosmopolitan like that original airbrushed like sort of thing did like I, I this is such a hyper you know a hyper sped version of that obviously far reaches far what you could do back in in the 60s when a lot of this stuff started but is it worse than what the barbie doll did is social media because like, like i've seen the barbie movie like i i the barbie movie i thought touched on some very important parts and a lot of people are up in arms and the people who are up in arms are the people i would expect to be up in arms so i'm not surprised um So I'm just, I'm curious to know, like, as someone who does work in relationships and works with a lot of women, if this is worse than what Cosmo and those things may have done back in the day.
2: I think to some extent it can be because, because of the access, it's just, everything is so easily accessible now for anyone and anything. So again, it comes down to what inputs are you allowing in? Because if you know you can't handle you know, if you're dealing with comparison issues, whether it's looks, whether it's a success in professions, I mean, whatever it is, then I tell them then you might need to remove yourself or at least stop following a certain content. But I think it's just, it's so easily accessible that it's hard to maybe. So that's where I think it's a little harder. And I also think that people nowadays are just, there's so many people hurting and lacking that a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of the content is people um, just trying to gain acceptance, maybe um, prove something by the guys. Thank you.
1: Thank yes. you. Thank you.
2: And thank I tell you. ladies, thank look, you. there's going to be a lot of people that look at your stuff, right? You can see how many people look at your stories, or your stuff, but how many are, are liking it?
1: Thank so, you. This is amazing. Thank you for this yeah. whole quest. This is great. It's I've that- said this millions of times. I actually, there's a piece of my book where I talk about it because- oh. Yeah, it's not even just it's human. It's not necessarily men. It's not necessarily women. It's both because there's this there's this quick, easy four steps out there. There's this idea of success for people like, oh, I'm a I'm an Internet sensation. I'm a YouTuber. I've got yes. millions. I've got like you said, I've got 10 gazillion subscribers. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, when that person goes home, are they happy? Like, are they content right. with their life or do they just feed off of that like button? That's a dangerous thing. Very dangerous. It's
2: actually causing a lot of issues in relationships too. It
1: absolutely Absolutely. is. Like you said, the
2: accessibility. Yes. So I think in that regard then, um, guys, I think that it can be more dangerous than what you were saying then before, because it has more to do than just, it's like accessibility. It's what is the reason behind this? Is it, or is it because you're trying to fulfill some kind of need that you just haven't worked through yet? So I think that it can be especially yes. like the kids growing up nowadays this is all they know but like all of us I mean we didn't have all this this easily accessible and it's hard I think to kind of discern and shift back and forth
0: I'm absolutely I'm struggling a little bit with the constant looking at it all the time I am too. Just, <laughs> just because like right. I use it for everything and it's like I find like even just to distract like it's a distraction that I can't manage so again
2: you gotta be intentional like right, deliberate right. You to, yes
0: yeah and maybe right. sometimes Absolutely. you do have to you put have it to, away like you i don't you have take to put it, it away at certain to, times
1: yes and- you have to allow yourself a time limit you know what i mean you really do you're right you get you get 15 minutes a day so use it you can use five in the morning you know 10 at <laughs> night or whatever it is and and i personally like dr rachel said i intentionally do not follow or even like if something pops up that I want to have no peace in like, boom, exit out and like, get rid of it. I'm following positivity. I'm following yes. things that are are trying to put positive messages out in the world. And some of these things that say claim they are, I don't believe they are either. Like you were saying, you know what I mean? Like, well, you, you you follow mental health matters hashtag and you see like half naked people like, yes. are, you, are you, what message are you really putting out there? Is this for you or is this for the
2: other? Like, nah, like, yes, I think we've gotten off track and that's why I'm lot- sorry it's i that's a huge you know thing I mean, for me society, I, I, i'm sorry i think oh. i'm so sorry i'm in society <laughs> a with what's important yes. it's it comes up in a lot of my sessions and i am you know when we work on the comparison stuff and where's this low self-esteem from it is definitely not in that awesome. area. i think
0: it comes from us not in the in, the inability to be honest with one another and now it's very dangerous to be honest and very dangerous in the world now to have like differences of opinions with a lot of things. There's a lot of people with a lot of loose, a lot of loose mouths and a lot of loose fingers that are very, (laughs) very, very untrustworthy.
2: Yes. You know what I I mean? So
0: it's like, you gotta, you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that you don't, you don't hold tight to what you believe, but you kind of gotta, but we also gotta be able to be free enough to, and I think that that might be another generation thing that we're starting to really notice now is that people of a certain age like us where we all fit into the same age range we have the ability to go out and actually talk to people where younger people do lack a little bit of communication skills as far as the direct one-to-one not everyone not everyone but some you can notice You're it because right. you see it in the store you can see I, it in your I interactions every day, you, like,
2: every they're day. very yes they're very uncomfortable with the fact <clears Exactly. throat> they come into your office and they won't look at you and it's it is very, you know, it's, I think it is a generational thing, right? Maybe. And I'll be honest with you. It's it unnerving sense. to me. It Me too. It makes me uncomfortable.
0: It makes me uncomfortable <laughs> too, because then I'm like, okay, now like again, like, again, yeah. I'm off, I'm all for learning new ways, man. I'm cool with that. I'm whatever, but like, don't like, you gotta, you gotta come meet me halfway sometimes. Right. Exactly. You can't expect all of it. You can't expect all of it. You got to bring right. some of it. Timmy, okay. another Thank amazing you, conversation.
1: God ah it's extremely amazing i think you know um like you said we're definitely going to get dr rachel back on but timmy get well be safe stay above thank you for giving us a listen new episodes every wednesday if you listen on apple podcast you can share rate review and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode other ways to support the show follow us on social media share the content share our episodes you can also buy us a coffee